This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. America, meet your new dictator-in-chief. As the New York Times reports, and I'm quoting here, newly disclosed documents have shed a crack of light on secret executive branch plans for apocalyptic scenarios, like the aftermath of a nuclear attack, when the president may activate wartime powers for national security emergencies. End of quote. The problem, of course, here is that we have become a nation in a permanent state of emergency. Power-hungry and lawless, the government has weaponized one national crisis after another in order to expand its powers and justify all manner of government tyranny in the so-called name of national security. The seeds of this present madness were sown almost two decades ago when George W. Bush stealthily issued two presidential directives that granted the president the power to unilaterally declare a national emergency which is loosely defined as, and I'm quoting here, any incident, regardless of location, that results in extraordinary levels of mass casualties, damage or disruption, severely affecting the U.S. population, infrastructure, environment, economy, or government functions, end of quote. Comprising the country's continuity of government plan, these directives, the National Security Presidential Directive 51 and Homeland Security President Directive 20 provide a skeletal outline of the actions the president will take in the event of a national emergency, quote-unquote. Just what sort of actions the president will take once he declares a national emergency can barely be discerned from the bare-bones directives. However, one thing is clear. In the event of a national emergency, these directives give unchecked executive, legislative, and judicial power to the president. The country would then be subjected to martial law by default, and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights would be suspended. Essentially, the president would become a dictator for life. Folks, it's already happened. As we have witnessed in recent years, the national emergency can take any form, can be manipulated for any purpose, and can be used to justify any end goal. All on the say-so of the president. The emergency powers that we know about, which presidents might claim during such states of emergency, are vast, ranging from imposing martial law and suspending habeas corpus to shutting down all forms of communications, including the implementing of an internet kill switch and restricting travel. Yet according to documents recently obtained by the Brennan Center, there may be many more secret powers that presidents may institute in times of so-called crisis without oversight from Congress, the courts, or the public. It doesn't even matter what the nature of the crisis might be. Civil unrest, national emergencies, unforeseen economic collapse, loss of functioning political and legal order, purposeful domestic resistance or insurgency, pervasive health emergencies, and catastrophic natural and human disasters, as long as it allows the government to justify all manner of government tyranny in the name of so-called national security. In such a climate, the American president becomes a dictator with permanent powers, imperial, unaccountable, and unconstitutional. Then again, 
The police state with the president at its helm has been riding roughshod over the rule of law for many years now without any pretense of being reined in or restricted in its power grabs by Congress, the courts, or the citizenry. Although the Constitution invests the president with very specific limited powers in recent years, American presidents have claimed the power to completely and almost unilaterally alter the landscape of this country for good or for evil. The powers amassed by each successive president through the negligence of Congress and the courts, powers which add up to a toolbox of terror for an imperial ruler, empower whoever occupies the Oval Office to act as a dictator above the law and beyond any real accountability. As law professor William P. Marshall explains, and I'm quoting here, every extraordinary use of power by one president expands the availability of executive branch power for use by future presidents. All the imperial powers amassed by Barack Obama and George W. Bush to kill American citizens without due process, to detain suspects indefinitely, to strip Americans of their citizenship rights, to carry out mass surveillance on Americans without probable cause, to suspend laws during wartime, to disregard laws with which he might disagree, to conduct secret wars and convene secret courts, to sanction torture, to sidestep the legislatures and courts with executive orders and signing statements, to, to direct the military to operate beyond the reach of the law, to operate a shadow government and act as a dictator and a tyrant above the law and beyond any real accountability, were inherited by Donald Trump and passed along to Joe Biden. These presidential powers acquired through the use of executive orders, decrees, memorandums, proclamations, national security directives, and legislative signing statements, and which can be activated by any sitting president, enable past, present, and future presidents to operate above the law and beyond the reach of our Constitution. This is what you might call a stealthy, creeping, silent, slow-motion coup d'etat. If we continue down this road, there can be no surprise about what waits us at the end. Unfortunately, the process of unseating a dictator and limiting the powers of the presidency is far from simple, but at a minimum, it must start with we the people. For starters, as I make clear in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, and in its fictional counterpart, The Eric Blair Diaries, we must recalibrate the balance of power. Start locally in your own communities, in your schools, at your city council meetings, in newspaper editorials at protests. By pushing back against laws that are unjust, police departments that overreach, politicians that don't listen to their constituents, and a system of government that grows more tyrannical by the day. What we desperately need is a concerted, collective commitment to the Constitution's principles of limited government, a system of checks and balances, and a recognition that they, the President, Congress, the courts, the military, the police, the technocrats, and plutocrats, and bureaucrats answer to and are accountable to we the people. In other words, we've got to start making both the president and the police state play by the rules of our Constitution. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. 
Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.